grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. The text for our meditation on this evening as we celebrate the epiphany of our Lord, the gospel reading that we heard read just a few moments ago, Matthew 2, 1 to 12, especially these verses. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So far our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Matthew chapter 2 is an amazing chapter in God's word. It reads like a suspense novel. It looks like something that somebody should take and make a movie out of it. You don't need to make a historical fiction. The history here is great all by itself. You have these mysterious magi, the wise men. They come from the east. Where? We don't really know. But they come from the east. We have a lot of countries in the east in the news right now. Iran, Iraq, that whole general area. They came from the east. These wise men, these scholars, these stargazers, these mathematicians, they were intrigued by something that they had seen while they were studying the stars. So intrigued that they made a journey. More than 100 miles, maybe more than 200 miles, a journey, a caravan, as they went to see and worship a new king. This is unheard of. They followed this new star that they saw in the sky, navigating by the stars. And it led them very near to the city of Jerusalem. Did they stop watching the star? Did the star go away? We don't really know. But they were close enough to Jerusalem, they didn't need the star anymore, right? If they're going to worship a new king, the king of the Jews, certainly the king would be in the king's palace. So they go to Jerusalem. And they asked the current king, where is this new king who was just recently born? And Herod, the sitting king, is not happy. He's not happy because it's good to be the king. In fact, it's so good to be the king, I'm going to kill anybody that gets in my way of being king. A new king, huh? We better get to the bottom of this. So he calls an emergency cabinet meeting. 
all of the scribes, the teachers of the law, and he brings them together and says, what is this nonsense about a new king? Oh, it's in the Bible, king. Really? Yes, it's in the Bible. God's word clearly says, if, um, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Out of Bethlehem, though you are tiny, shall come the one who will be the ruler of all Israel. Ah. Bethlehem's just down the street. I think I'll get these uh, wise guys to do my work for me. Ah, go and find this new baby king. Report back to me so that, so that I may go and uh, <clears throat> worship him. Worship him with a sharp knife, a two-edged sword. The wise men, they said, okay, we'll go. They heard the word. They heard the word from the Bible, from Micah chapter 2. And they went. And lo and behold, the star is back. They follow the star. It leads them not only to the general vicinity, but right to the spot where the baby Jesus is. They're prepared. They bow down. They worship him. They offer gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gifts fitting for a new king. And then, having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went home a different way. That's where our text ends. The rest of the chapter goes on. Herod, bloodthirsty, ruthless Herod, is not happy. So he sends his henchmen out to do the unthinkable, to kill little boy babies and to make sure that he gets the one that is supposed to be the king. Don't just kill the little babies. Ah, oh, let's see, go, go up to at least two years old. That way we'll make sure we get the right one. If you can't make a novel, a movie, not a Hallmark movie, but a movie, out of this, something is wrong. We have all of the characters. We have all of the thrill and mystery and intrigue. God's word is an amazing thing. It's amazing because not only is it a gripping story made up of multiple gripping stories, it's amazing because all of the stories are true. What I want to focus on tonight as we celebrate the epiphany of our Lord is the light that God shines to enlighten people. Have you ever wondered how the Magi just happened to look up into the sky and see a new light? and equate this light with a new king in Israel, a king of the Jews? 
Doesn't that seem just a little bit out of the ordinary? Doesn't that seem a little bit far-fetched? Let's be honest. That star looks good on top of the Christmas tree, but this whole star thing? Come on. Remember what happened when the people of God were conquered, not once, but twice, and the children of God were carried off into captivity. They went multiple places as they were carried off by their enemies into captivity, but one of the places that they were carried off to was the east. Guess what they took with them as they were carried off to the east? Of course, they took with them their faith. But more importantly, they took with them the word of God. As they had opportunity, and we see this especially in the book of Daniel, as they had opportunity, they worshipped the one true God. They confessed the one true God. They witnessed to the fact that there is only one true God. They did this by their actions. They did this by their words. They did this by their worship. In Numbers chapter 24... Verse 17, we have this prophecy. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter, you know a scepter like a king would hold? A scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. A star. A star and a scepter. The word of God that prophesies that a star will proclaim the king, the king of Israel who will crush the enemy's feet. These wise men had heard this promise. But more importantly, not only had they heard this promise, they actually believed it. Can you imagine that? Somebody who hears the word of God and actually believes it? As they studied and they saw this new star, certainly what they saw what they heard, what they believed came together. And they could not sit idly by. They had to go and find and worship this new king, this savior not only of Israel, but a savior for the whole world. My friends, the star guided them the star guided them and they ended up in Jerusalem. The star at that point in time does not shine on the Christ child. It gets them close in the vicinity. And while they are in Jerusalem inquiring of the new king, what does Herod do? 
Herod says, how can we find out where this king is going to be born? His advisors say, the Bible, the word of God. They read the word of God, the word of God that pointed them, like the star, pointed them to Bethlehem, to the Christ child, the fulfillment not only of Micah 2, but of all God's word. I want you to think about it and I want you to ponder what happened when Herod asked his advisors to tell, to tell them, tell him where this new king was to be born. Herod heard the word of God. Micah 5. The advisors heard the word of God. Micah 5. The wise men, the magi, heard the word of God and believed it. Herod heard the word of God. He didn't believe it. He wanted to use the word of God for his own personal gain. He wanted to use the word of God to squish the message of the word of God. He wanted to use the Bible to justify himself. Why? Because it's good to be the king. His advisors, they heard the word of God. And even if they did believe it, they were too paralyzed with fear. To actually do anything about it. Why didn't they go with the wise men? Because they were afraid. They were afraid of their own skin. They were afraid of losing their head. If Herod found out that they actually believed the word of God, yes, that would be their end. My friends, tonight, as we gather to celebrate the epiphany of our Lord, the manifestation of Jesus, God in the flesh, God's revelation of Jesus as the Savior of the world. He has given us the very same word, the very same revelation. It is written. It is written. One of the dangers of being a Christian is to get bored with the Word of God. One of the dangers and temptations of being a Christian is to equate the Word of God, the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, with the other books that we read or entertainment that we watch why is it that we can go to the movie theater and watch a two or a three hour movie why is it that we can sit down on the couch and do a netflix binge for hours upon hours why is it that we can read the newspaper every jot and tittle why is it that we can find time and interest for that? 
but we can't find even a few minutes to read or study God's Word. Could it be that we're afraid of what people might think of us if they find out we actually believe this stuff? Could it be that it's just not that big a deal and we really don't believe it? My friends, tonight, God's Word is shining its light, its holy law light into our heart and into our lives. We live at a time, imagine that, when not only do we have the Bible in our own language, but we have it in scores of different mediums. On your cell phone, you can have the Bible talk to you. On your cell phone, you can have a daily Bible verse emailed or texted to you. On and on and on, we live in an age where we can be flooded with God's Word. Do we care? Are we interested? Can we take a few moments to spend time with God's revelation of His love to us? Time for ourselves? Time for our families? Time with our brothers and sisters in Christ? My friends, we're all guilty. We're all guilty of being bored or afraid of the Word of God. My friends, tonight, tonight, God is shining the light of His love on you. The very light that guided the Magi to the Christ child where they were able to worship at His feet and offer themselves their lives and their gifts, that very light is here for you. Remember what Jesus says, John 8, verse 12? I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Isn't that amazing? The light of the world is God's gift to you. The light that shines in the darkness, the darkness of sin that so often drags us down. The darkness that hurts our light eyes. The darkness that scares the bejeebers out of us. The light of the world, Jesus, is there for us. Yes, in God's great love, this light exposes our sin. But more than that, this light shows us and reveals to us God's love. God's love that prompted Jesus to go to Calvary's cross. God's love that had Jesus suffer and die for all of the times when we have been apathetic with regard to Him and His Word. For all of the times when we have been afraid to boldly confess the faith. Jesus has bled and died for all of our sin. Satan thought he won on Good Friday. The light of the world was out. 
It was stone cold dead and put into a new grave. But three days later, that light shone forth again. That light, Jesus Christ, shines forever and ever and ever. It shines for you. His love revealed to us, recorded for us in His Holy Word. My friends, perhaps tonight we can resolve together. I know we're a few days after New Year's Eve. Perhaps we can resolve together to make this year, 2020, the year of God's Word among us. When we will devote ourselves to spending more time in God's house so we can hear the Word of God. More time in God's Word so we can grow in our knowledge and understanding of God's love for us. That we can spend more time encouraging, serving, and loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, motivated by the life-giving, life-changing Word of God. My friends, the day is almost over. The morn is almost upon us. Let the light of Christ shine today and always for you. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our ears, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.